Welcome back to the Corona Cup Battle of the Bands. Today is April 23rd. It is a Thursday. It is day 31 of lockdown here in Kansas City. And um, today has got to be, um, for some people anyway, the most highly anticipated episode of this show to date. Um, for me, it is my worst nightmare coming true. Um, on the call with me today is Emma Ross and Leanne Cash. Um, Emma being probably one of my best friends and, and Leanne being my girlfriend and both of them being, um, devout, uh, fans of Green Day, uh, who is on the show today. We have Green Day's American Idiot, uh, from 2004, their most beloved album, taking on, um this thing, this interesting thing, uh, Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, with his second album, simply titled Elvis, released in 1956. Um, if you haven't, uh, as of yet, figured this out, um, I love Elvis, but in particular, uh, Leanne vehemently hates Elvis. Um, so this will be fun, I'm sure. Um, I said yesterday I, I refused to go on the air today um, without anyone in my corner. Um, well, here I am. Uh, so, here we go, I guess, um, as, as, uh, as, as we embark on what is sure to be a uh, systematic drubbing of yours truly. Um so, um, I guess opening thoughts. I would tell you not to tip your hand, but that's a waste of time. Well, I had a good time with both of these because I think, because I, I know Leanne hates Elvis. I know that you, Jake, don't hate Green Day, but you're not their biggest fan either. And you're definitely more partial toward all this. I'm positively lukewarm on Green Day. Yeah. Yeah. I genuinely love both of these um, artists, band slash artists. I love both of them. Um, not quite equally, but I think closer equally than either of you. Yes, that's, um, that's definitely so, true. Yeah. Yeah. So it was probably the hard. It, it was not hard for me to choose, but it was probably the hardest for me, I don't know. Um, you probably had a harder time yeah, than we wrong. did. We yeah, are pretty. I, yeah, but we are pretty factionalized in this case. Well, in all cases, um, I, I keep I keep stats on on who agrees with who for this show, and I think Leanne and I have about a thirty percent uh, rate of agreeance <laughs> on this show. We are the uh, lowest pair of regulars. Uh, of any two regulars on the show. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's be for a relationship. There you go. And I just have to say, I don't hate Elvis as a person. I hate his lower voice with the vibrato. I, I have I, nothing against Elvis personally. Nobody said you did, Fair but, but you, you are passionately opposed to his music. I can't even talk about the man without you uh, uh, ripping him and me to pieces about it. So, uh, you are the same way with uh, my chemical romance, so be nice. Yeah, but can we just acknowledge the absurdity in trying to place uh, Elvis and my chemical romance in the same conversation? I will yeah. kick your butt if you degrade your hard way. That's fine. Um, maybe, 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 Leanne, you're not aware of this. Um, we're in lockdown. Uh, so, yeah, good luck kicking my ass while I sit pretty in my bed. Um, uh, that being said, Gerard Way's voice is painful. Um, it sounds like uh, it's like that noise that comes out of your garbage disposal when you just poured a glass of ice down it, except filtered through a helium balloon. Um, 
You just riled up the emos. You're going to have a small swarm of a bunch of angsty teenagers in black at your front door within 20 minutes. As I Should said. Should I just get off this call to let you two break up without a third <laughs> <laughs> As As I said, we're we're under lockdown. No, no, Nobody can touch me. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no. We it, for all the bickering, I, I think we're we're doing just fine, and I think um, <laughs> for that matter, I think there are um, most of the couples uh, that I am friends with uh, tend to be in a similar position. Um, by my observation, everybody on our panel that's in a relationship is in this position. Uh, where their significant other does not share their tastes. Um, so, Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I've never met Andy's wife, so I can't speak to that. But nevertheless, yeah, um, it's it's a common problem we have. I, I you know, but I, I don't know that it's necessarily a problem. I think it can be. Uh, you know, it's always good to 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 hear new things, um, even though sometimes they suck. Um, so, <laughs> I am very happy back with my 2008 goth emo music, and you can take me straight from it. I, listen, I, I, look, I, I have only tried to, um, rescue you from your self-inflicted hell, um, but, but you, you seem content, so, um, in any case, uh, let's actually look at some albums here, um. I am going to say a couple of things here. Um, I, I guess we'll start with, uh, we'll start with Elvis here. Um, and I, I'm looking at this as I, as I sit here, I, I do want to point this out. Um, this is the second Elvis album, not the first one. Um, I have the opinion the first one is better. I think most people have that opinion. Um, some would even argue it's his best. I think it's probably fair um and i'm not even completely convinced that this album is not on the bracket by mistake um that people simply voted for it in our survey mistaking it for the other one uh which is titled elvis presley as opposed to just elvis um that being said um we'll we'll get into the elvis album here um starting with emma Okay, so I liked it. I did. I like Elvis a lot, like I said. Um, but I knew very little on this album. I knew more than I thought I did. I knew Rip It Up, and I knew, um, I think I knew Love Me, and Ready Teddy sounded very familiar, but I don't know if Ready Teddy sounded familiar because I knew it or because it's basically Jailhouse Rock. Um, is it? He is, actually, what? Is it really? I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I, it didn't strike me as like it's that. It's more Bruce like shoots. It just struck me that as, They're as all the same. like every other Elvis song. Not one in particular. Yeah. So just, gonna, yeah. yeah. So what I was going to kind of lead into with that is something about Elvis that I don't think has ever been more clear to me than when I've listened today to an album of very little that I know on it is that I feel like I know every single one of these songs because Elvis is basically his own genre and the closest genre I can compare him to is classical music. Why is that? Because that I think classical music is one of the hardest genres to like differentiate songs in and Elvis Presley could literally get on a stage with the normal instruments he uses and just babble and have people in the back going and it would all be completely indistinguishable that's not a bad thing because I like him and I like his sound but Elvis music is like just a conglomeration at this point it's so like it's so uniform throughout I feel like um, that just like you're not even listening to an Elvis song or another Elvis song, you're just listening to Elvis music, and that's kind of how I felt the entire way through this. Again, to me, that's not a, a bad thing because I like him a lot. Um, but actually, I think Elvis and Green Day are both, um, they both do this to a point where they reuse their same 
rhythms and same riffs again and again. Um, there are a couple songs on American Idiot that I'll point that out with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, there were a lot that you could, um, yeah, because Ready Teddy to me was just like Blue Suede Shoes, was just like Jailhouse Rock, was just like, uh, no, it's Blue Suede Shoes. Um, and um, there was another one that I kind of felt was a lot like um, Hound Dog. I can't remember which one that was now. But yeah, it's just, it's just Elvis music, and that can be a detriment or a benefit, I think. Sure. Um, is that your full piece? That's, that's it for me. Um, do you have anything to say about old Shep? I, I do want to, be, being the vet student among us, um, <laughs> the, the sappy I'm dog I'm going to be honest, I, I, after I talked to you about it last night and you, um, drew an old Geller comparison, I skipped over that song because... I'm I'm sad and existential enough as it is. I don't need that shit in my mind right now. <laughs> well, I don't need a sad dog song occupying any space in my psyche. I did listen to the beginning of it, and I was just kind of blasé on it. Um, and then I realized what it was, and I was like, nope, and I skipped it. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, it's not very good. It wouldn't do anything to you, but anyway. Um... And against my better judgment, I'm going to ask you for your opinion on an Elvis album, uh, because I feel that not doing so would be uh, unethical. I will say I went into this with an open mind. Bullshit. Um, I was like, I did. <laughs> now be nice. Okay. Um, I honestly, I like the um the actual instrumental and music part of it it's just I think it's the vocals that bother me mm-hmm. I um don't like voices the whole lot of vibrato vibrato is like when you're singing or speaking and that little waviness that's in the voice that's called a vibrato and Elvis's lower voice is a very high vibrato rate and I just I don't like that sound but all his higher register stuff like where he's in his head voice and not without as much vibrato, I really enjoyed it. Um, Rip It Up was fun. It was very danceable. It was very Elvis. Mm-hmm. Um, Love Me, I didn't care for for the same reasons of too much vibrato and it was too slow for my liking, but mm-hmm. there's someone else I'm sure they'd like it. Um, when the when my blue moon turns to gold, instrumentally, I loved it. In the background, singers really added a lot to the music, but Elvis himself and lyrically weren't that strong to me. Yep, the old Jordan Ayers, uh, his, his of, backing vocalists. Yeah, they're they're a lot of fun. Yeah, and that's the same for like Long Tall Sally. Mm-hmm. Um, first in line, I actually enjoyed. That was a vault. Mm. And I liked his higher notes because he wasn't getting into his chest voice with the vibrato. Um, Paralyzed, I thought was really cool because it sort of had like a doo-wop barbershop sound to it. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you're mine. The line that was at the beginning, shaped like a cannonball, just threw it off for me. This is a cover... <laughs> Um, by it's a cover of an Arthur Crudup song. Um, I forget where, but so, he, one of his songs has been covered on an album we've done before. I don't remember which, but yeah, he's an old blues guy, and and that makes that doesn't surprise me to hear that. But. It's just that line kind of took away from the song and sort of cracked me up. Yeah, old chap. I thought it was kind of slow and boring. The vocals on the background were good, but there really wasn't anything overly good or bad about the song. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ready Teddy is very Elvis. Like Emma said, it's a very classic Elvis sound. Yeah. Um, any Place is Paradise. Overall, he had a lot of um, lower chest voice I don't really care for, but he had a good low note in there that was very clean without any vibrato, and I enjoyed that one note when it reoccurred a couple times, but that was about it for that. Um, where was I? 
How's the world treating you? I like the stand of the piano with the bass. That was really cool. But I was sitting there, I was waiting for the song to start and waiting for the song to start. And it felt like it was going to lead into something, but it never did. Yeah. And um, how do you think I feel? That seemed more country-ish than anything else on this album. Well, you got to remember, Elvis Presley grew up a poor kid in Tupelo, Mississippi. Um He's he was cut his teeth on country music, um, so yeah, for sure. Um, it was that standalone track that was very country, right? Um, so I'm impressed with your uh, the degree of praise you've offered for this album. Um, I've heard you be a lot more brutal to other stuff. Um, so overall thoughts. I listened to a couple tracks on it, but the overall record I'd probably not keep. Right. Um, so here, let's see what I. All right. Um, like I said, I, I I think it's kind of a shame that this is the Elvis album we're covering because I think he's got better ones. Um, that being said, I I liked this more than I kind of thought I did, and I think I I was spent so much time kind of bemoaning the fact that it was on this bracket that I kind of overlooked the fact that it is a fine album at the end of the day. Um, Rip It Up starts off the album with a ton of energy and, you know, 50s Elvis swagger that that we all know and love. Um, And then Love Me I like also. Um, It's probably the only ballad on this album I like, to be honest with you. Blue Moon Turns to Gold was all right, not my thing especially. Um, And then Long Tall Sally, uh, you know, Elvis, he does a lot of covers, especially in his early work. And uh, Long Tall Sally, of course, is a Little Richard cover. Um, And uh, Elvis has also covered Tutti Frutti, and it's almost embarrassing. Um, So... I, I I had tempered expectations going into his version of Long Tall Sally, and it was a lot better than I thought. He wisely avoids the Little Richard falsetto stuff um, and sticks to what he can do, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, first in Line was fine, not totally my thing, but uh, Paralyzed was really, really cool. Lots of life there. And then So Glad You're Mine, I know Leanne had the little lyrical quibble on that um i think it's i don't know if it's the best song on the album but it's certainly my favorite um it's very bluesy um naturally as an arthur crudup cover and it was lots of fun i really liked it um got me moving and dancing around for sure um old shep i don't like this song i haven't ever liked this song I get that if you're like an Elvis buff, this song has a special place and whatever. Um, the backstory basically be it's a cover of a Red Foley song, but the backstory is basically that when Elvis was growing up as a dirt poor kid in Tupelo, Mississippi, he sang this song at all of his like school talent shows and stuff. Um, and then wanted to record it professionally for this album. That's a nice story. Problem is, the song sucks. And Elvis doesn't do anything special with it. Um, it's also, I mean, it's by far the longest song on this album. By far. And it doesn't need to be. It's slow, it's needlessly sappy, but not even sappy enough to actually invoke feelings in you. Um, so I'm not a fan of that song. Um, that said, Ready Teddy rescues the feel of the album. Um, Any Place is Paradise follows that up nicely. And then How's the World Treating You? I really wanted to like this uh, because it's co-written by Chet Atkins, who I really like. Um, kind of a He's a jazzy, country-style guitarist from this era. He's a really renowned, respected guitarist. Um... He taught Jerry Reed how to play guitar, and if you've listened to much Jerry Reed, you know he's one of the most excellent uh, guitarists in the history of the country genre. Um, that being said, uh, uh, yeah, Chet Atkins, the other fun thing about him is that he has a cover of the old Boots Randolph Yakety Sax song um, played on electric guitar, and it's called Yakety Axe. Um, you get it? 
It's funny. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, I wanted to like this song because I like Chet Atkins, but I couldn't. wasn't my thing. Um, that being said, How Do You Think I Feel was a good way to end the album. Lots of good stuff here. I just think when he gets slow and sappy, he's got many better songs for that over the course of his catalog, and a lot of the ones here fall flat for me. Um, did either one of you have any notes on the guitar work throughout this album? Just the very Elvisy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scotty Moore. I miss the bass more than the yeah. guitar. He's got Scotty Moore playing guitar for him here, who's his uh, well-known longtime guitarist who's considered to be very influential. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's basically... It, it's, uh, yeah, it's good but not excellent guitar work. Um, I would think uh, Scotty Moore has some other better work in uh, Elvis's catalog. Um, anyway, yeah, fine album. Not his best, but, but very solid. Um, so we'll switch gears here um, in a major, major, major way. Going from the oldest album on the bracket, the only real rockabilly album we're covering, to the basically the only punk album we're going to cover. I, I guess you could make a case for Joan Jett being punk, but uh, this is certainly the most punk uh, of anything we're going to cover. Uh, American Idiot here. Um, Emma, go ahead. All right. This album is wonderful. It's amazing, and it's one of my favorite overall albums of all time. Um. I do love Green Day overall. I think they have a lot of great stuff, but this has got to be their best just album, definitely to date. Um, so, you start off with American Idiot. It is a great, great way to start the album off. The bass line that it comes right in with is fantastic. It's pumped right up. It's a great song. The only thing, the only thing that I really don't appreciate about this and Holiday is the use of the F-word, uh, the F word that is not fucked, the gay slur. I understand what he's trying to do. I understand that it's used to like, it's used in kind of a, not a tongue in cheek way, but like an ironic way to be like, oh, well, am I this slur because I don't go with the, the redneck agenda, I guess in this case, or whatever else. Um, and he's bisexual, so I guess he's allowed, but I, I just, I don't like to sing along to it for that reason. <laughs> I'll sing along to everything else about that. Yeah, um, yeah, I understand that. Kind of like I sing along to this song, and I just like I sound like the fucking radio station. I just completely shut up when that work comes that I do. <laughs> there, there's an Elvis uh, Costello yeah, I, song I like that has the N word in it. Um, and Elvis Costello has yeah, yeah, positively no license to use that. You could argue for or against Billy Joe Armstrong. No case for Costello, yeah. so I feel you on that big time. Yeah, but anyway, um, American Idiot, the song, is absolutely fantastic. It's a masterpiece for them, I think. Um, the drums in it, I, Mike Dirt is fantastic with the bass lines. Like we were talking about last night, every Green Day song pretty much has a recognizable and fantastic bass line. But Trey Cool, the drummer, is absolutely kick-ass and I think underrated. And I love his drum work in this song. Uh, then we get to Jesus of Suburbia, which is the punk Bohemian Rhapsody. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Um, there is no part of this that I like any less than any other part. I love the entire thing. I know it's word for word. When I went to see Green Day in concert, they did American Idiot and Jesus of Suburbia back to back, and it was it was during the encore and like the. Everyone completely went insane. It was great. It was fantastic. Um, so I love, I love Jesus of Suburbia. Holiday is probably my favorite song on the album. It's the one I've known for the longest, and it's amazing. Um, another really, really good bass line. Just one of the most defiant songs on here, I think. One of the most angry-sounding in a very, very good way. I adore it. And then, of course, it fades into another one of my favorites on here, which is Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yes, it's emo. Yes, it's black eyeliner <laughs> running with your tears and 
you know, dyeing your hair black and cutting shitty bangs from it, and it's fantastic, <laughs> and it's beautiful. Um, it's great. I love it. Um, it's very easy to sing along to and fun, and I think the musicality of it kind of makes up for the just horribly emo, painfully emo lyrics. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, yeah. All of the waiting in St. Jimmy, um, I love them both. I do get it. I think that All We the Waiting starts off very beautifully, but then by about the third or fourth, All We We Are the Waiting Unknown, it kind of gets old. But then, it's straight into fucking St. Jimmy, which kicks ass. The other time that everyone lost their minds was when they were doing All We the Waiting, and we knew St. Jimmy was coming, and then as soon as they were like, everyone's like, you know. Uh, and that is one of the ones that I was going to say they did kind of reuse later on in, in their album, their later album, Revolution Radio. Um, the guitar work for St. Jimmy and the guitar work for Bang Bang off of Revolution Radio are pretty much identical, just in a different key. Um, I guess they were hoping we wouldn't notice. Yeah, but <laughs> it, that's not even a bad thing because I love both of those songs. But St. Jimmy is fantastic. Um, Another very good, like, angry song. Um, instantly recognizable bass line. Super pump-up. Super great. Um, give me Novocaine. <laughs> I went in, because I've heard this album a bunch of times, and when you listen to it as many times as I have, or probably I haven't listened to it as many times as Leanne has, I'm sure, but even if it's not an album that you originally listened to for lyrics, when you listen to it a certain number of times, you have to start listening to the lyrics because there's nothing else new to examine. Um, give Me Novocaine, I think, commits the most crimes on the just painfully fucking angsty emo lyrics in some kind of way. Um, that being said, I really do like it. Um, I think the tone of it, I think, is really, really good. I think it's a nice little slowed-down break in the middle of the album, and I really do like it. Um, I think the chorus kind of makes up for the verses a tiny bit. Um, so I, I can't bring myself to dislike this song, even though I know, like, oh my god, it's like a throbbing toothache of the mind. I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> um, then we get um, She's a Rebel, An Extraordinary Girl. I like both of these. I don't love them in the grand scheme of the album. Um, they're fine. They're both good. I can sing to both of them. Um, but just there are so many amazing songs on this album that those two kind of get way-sided for me a little bit, but I like them both. Letterbomb, I absolutely love. Uh, Letterbomb is one of my favorites. One of, um, probably my favorite deep cut, per se, on here would be Letterbomb. Um, oh, the other thing I was going to say about Give Me Novocaine, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I like kind of the main that, that goes throughout this album are the Jesus of Suburbia and St. Jimmy, like they're the two characters that go through the whole thing. I hate the way they work St. Jimmy into Give Me Novocaine. Um, like, Jimmy says it's better than air, that Novocaine's better than air, and then tell me, Jimmy, I won't do a thing. I hate that. I don't think it fits there. I don't think it makes any sense, and that really does bother me. I think the rest of it kind of makes up for it, but I, I don't think that working Jimmy into that song was necessary, and it kind of damages it a tiny bit. But the letter bomb, that's not really the case. And they do kind of also harken back to the Jesus of Suburbia briefly, and I think it works really well. Um, I like the chorus of letter bomb a lot. It's just really good, really rocking. Um, Wake Me Up When September Ends is gorgeous. My favorite slow song on here, even above Boulevard. Um, it's just gorgeous, and it's sad, and it's the most like pretty song on here I think by far and you'd think it wouldn't fit but it does I think and then they kick it into high gear later on but it still works and I think that's a really good feat of songwriting is Wake Me Up When September Ends I think I love that song unequivocally Homecoming could have um, dropped several sections of itself 
there are parts of Homecoming that I love. There are parts of Homecoming that I can't stand. Um, what, uh, Jesus of Suburbia did what Homecoming did a lot better. Um, yeah. Like, it's, it's fine. 100%. It just, again, like, of the songs on here, it's... I think, at this point, having heard it so many times, this album would not be American Idiot without Homecoming. Um, I can acknowledge that, but I still don't love it. Mm-hmm. It's fine. And yeah, there are, there are parts that are much better than others. And then we have the one true sin on here, I think, which is What's Her Name? And namely the fact that it ends with What's Her Name? Because Homecoming is like a, it makes sense. It's, a, it's an ending that makes sense. It's coming home again. That's like a full circle type thing. It, it works. Even if it's not one of the stronger songs on the album, I think it's an okay ending. And then you have What's Her Name, which could almost be a different band, I think. It, it doesn't even have, like, a really signature Green Day sound, especially not for this album, which has a very signature sound in and of itself. And it's not that great of a song anyway. It's by far my least favorite of anything on here. And I hate that it ends that way. Um, you know, it's not a big enough issue to throw off how good the rest of the album is, but I just... It would be okay somewhere in the middle of the album, but honestly, I think they could ditch it all together, and that would have been fine, too. I just really wish it didn't end on it. But overall, just, I feel like I've rambled for, like, 20 minutes. Um, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. I love American Idiot with every bone in my body. So that's all for that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Leanne, um... Why don't you tell anybody that happens to listen to this the things you've been telling me for years? Well, you should know it by now, but I'm reiterating for the audience. Um, That's what I'm saying. Just, yeah, thank you, smartass. <laughs> um, uh, just as a little information, American Idiot is very political. Really? Especially <laughs> for... What? What? <laughs> It um, was written during the Bush administration, and um, Billy Joe Armstrong and Mike Burnt and Trey Cool have um, said during their concerts while playing this songs off of this album, they always say, this is not anti-America, it's anti-war. And I, there's a, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of um, references to that in this, but... Um, American Idiot is, the track itself is very, very recognizable. You hear it anywhere and you know it if you know Green Day. Um, for the F-slur, I, I'm not a big fan of it, but it's Billy Joe Armstrong and Green Day, they're very against censoring, and they're allowed to say it, and I can't tell them that they can't, so I don't personally care for it, but they can do it. Um, yeah. Jesus of Suburbia is probably one of my favorite songs off this album. The backup vocals in it, and the um, there are moments where the song just stops and just restarts, and it's so cool. And I haven't listened to this album, like, I've had it going in the background before, but I've actually stopped and listened to the lyrics in a long time. I forgot how um, religiously, not really, it's sort of very, has a lot of, it's very religiously paralleled with a lot of, at least with Christianity. Babe, There's the a lot song of parallels. Um, Jesus of Suburbia. Yeah, but like <laughs> they make quite a few like very direct biblical references, like um, the line um, "Get my television fixed, sitting on my crucifix." Mm-hmm. It's very um, religiously charged and. Then the one thing about the song that I could never figure out, there is a line where they say, I don't care if you don't care. And I could never figure out, is it really meaning that I don't care that you don't care, or I don't care if you care. And I could never figure that out, and it's even confusing to explain it. Yeah, um, yeah, you're losing me on that. <laughs> yeah, I lost myself. Um, <laughs> Holiday, Trey Cole's drum solo at the beginning. Uh, just a fun little trivia fact, they call him Trey because he's Frank Edwin Wright III. And Trey is a hell of a lot easier to say than Frank Edwin Wright III. Um, 
um, the full stops with the um, sort of militant sound was very cool. Um, the um, guitar solo, and then it just goes into the bass with the drum with Mike Burt, and it's just amazing how each band member is allowed to shine out throughout the album, and it's not just about Billy Joe Armstrong and his lead vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, Broken Dreams, um, oh, last time on holiday. That last note on holiday that uh, Billy Joe Armstrong holds is six counts of just him holding that note and that is just highly impressive especially if you see it live he's running around like a magnet on the stage and still manages to hold that note for the entire time yeah he's a lively bastard um, that's for sure Boulevard of Broken Dreams I love the transition from Holiday into it if you listen to it on a um, album and not on the internet it's such a clean pretty transition mm-hmm. it's Probably the most poppy emo song on the album, though. It's probably one of my least favorites on the album. Um, Road the Waiting, it's probably the prettiest song on the album with the simple instrumentals. And I love the lyrics in this one. Um, like, Heads of Tales, Fairy Tales in My Mind, I thought was really cool. Um, Saint Jimmy, dear Lord. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the um, beautiful transition into it and um, this is our first introduction into the character of St. Jimmy in the stage production of this musical St. Jimmy and um, the Jews of Suburbia are the same person it's two different assets of his same personality and this is the crazy drag addict St. Jimmy that you meet when he leaves home and starts getting all types of messed up. And um, he goes into Give Me Novocaine and he's sort of feeding into his own addiction by saying Jimmy says it's better than air. He's convincing himself that this is better than being sober. Um, and then She's a Rebel is our introduction into What's Her Name? And um, he cut. Um, Billy Joe Armstrong or um, St. Jimmy calls her a saint at one point. The line, she's a rebel, she's a saint, is um, throughout the song. And I think he's trying to bring her up to his level because he refers to himself as St. Jimmy. And by sanctifying her, he's trying to get her on his level and be with him and do what he wants. Um... Extraordinary Girl, the bongos at the beginning always amuse me because it's the only time in this entire album that you hear bongos. And I just have an image of Shrekel just sitting in the back of a recording studio with a wacky hat on (laughs) playing the bongos. (laughs) Um, And the line, I wanted to see what you about this there's a line um she keeps an image of herself and admits she wants to sell to anyone willing to buy do you think that she's trying to like sell an image of herself or do you think it's like actually about prostitution i think it's more the first option i think it's more like she wants to sell a certain persona a certain image of herself and then, because um, mm-hmm. the next line is, he steals the image in her kids from her heart's apocalypse. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, it's kind of a weird line. I just always kind of took that as he's trying to kind of keep that persona for himself and have his own say in it. But it's stealing from her heart's apocalypse. That's like kind of protecting her self-worth. Like, if you're not going to see the worth in yourself, I'm going to, and I'm going to keep it for you. I don't know, there, there are different ways to take that line, but I never took it to be about prostitution, really. More the, more the first thing you said. Yeah, that's what I always figured. Yeah. Um, Extraordinary girl? Yeah. Um, I have so many notes. Wake me up when September ends. Oh, letter bomb. We gotta hit letter bomb. Um, the um, nobody likes you, everybody left you part at the beginning of the song gets kind of annoying, but it's reiterated throughout the album a couple more times. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what the point that is. I'm not sure if that's like St. Jimmy saying that to himself or if it's what's her name or if it's just like 
a idea that one of the characters has about themselves. Like, it's an anxious thought. Um... That's about it for the letter bomb. Um, Wake about when September ends is so freaking sad if you know the backstory. And there's a lot of different versions of what happened, but from what I understand is Billy Joe Armstrong wrote the song Gears after his father had passed away when he was younger, like poor American idiot. And um, there was a story a while that he when he was a kid after his father died, he locked himself in his room and yelled at his mother to wake me up when September ends. He's since disproved that that idea itself is heartbreaking. Um, the full orchestration, the orchestration in that is really good. And um, the line of, as my memory rests and never forgets what I lost, um, I've watched live versions of, like, from the American Idiot Tour, and Billy Joe Armstrong always gets really choked up on that line. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the one song, like, other than, like, We Are the Waiting, that sort of lets you simmer down a little bit and start processing what you've been listening to. And then we lose any little bit of relaxation with Homecoming. Um, Homecoming, I took, like, um, St. Jimmy's death, like, with Lion Jimmy died today, his, um, own private suicide, as, um, our lead character, who I don't know his actual name, like, sort of kicking his addiction and going back to his life, and, um... Because I think it's in that line, um, he'd rather be, um... Cigarettes and coffee with the underbelly. He's had enough of, like, he's tired of, he doesn't like what he's doing, but he's in a better spot than what he was because he's working at a desk job and he hates it. Um, Homecoming is very militant sounding, especially with the chorus, like, of him to come marching down the street. It's very militant sounding. And then, um, it, we come back to, um, the Nobody Likes You on this again, at the very end of the song. And then, What's Her Name is cool, as we get from the transition from Rock and Roll Girlfriend, which is a subtract in Homecoming, the Trey Cool Things. We go into What's Her Name, and, um, I think that was a good end to the album, because... Our main character is back, back in his town. He's sobered up, and he's sort of passed that part of his life, and he's trying to look back and remember who this girl was. But he was so messed up at the time that he can't remember her name. And he sort of seems melancholy about the fact that he can't remember what her name was and how, realizing how messed up he was. Mm-hmm. But overall... Really good. I love how like sort of full circle it is because you can stick um, Saint Jimmy right back on the end of what's your name, and it's just a continuous loop of addiction and recovering if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. But overall, favorite album. I have a giant poster of it on my wall, and if anybody tries to take American Idiot away, I will fight them. <laughs> I think that's a veiled threat. Right over. Um, so, all right. Um, I thought I had a lot to say about this album. Um, I do. I do have a lot to say <laughs> about this. Um, I'm not sure where to start exactly. I have a lot more just like ethereal, free-floating thoughts about the album as a whole, and I do much on individual tracks. So, um... I'll start, I'll start with this. Um, I think, um, in many cases, there are certain, you know, music is targeted, um, towards certain people. Um, it's kind of like the joke I made, uh, a couple weeks ago about Dark Side of the Moon and, and Emma ripped it up so much. I said, well, you weren't high when you listened to it, right? Because that's kind of the, 
that's the aim of the album in a sense. Not necessarily that you have to be high to, to get anything out of it, but that it's that they certainly were. Um, Dark Side of the Moon is uh, by the fo- by the Stoners for the Stoners and of the Stoners, and uh, this album. See, like, I don't think on balance. I'm not a very angry person. So I've never been a, a punk fan um, to any large extent. Um, I'm also, generally speaking, not often depressed. And so I've never been much of an emo fan. Um, not that this is really that, but it, it, it toes in that direction at times. Um, what I am a fan of, though, is a damn good tight musical outlet or uh, outfit, rather. Um, in particular, uh, I really respect a talented power trio. And, uh, it's evident to me that Green Day is most certainly that. Um, I think, uh, in the pantheon of great rock power trios, I wouldn't put them in the top five, but I damn sure put them in the top ten. Um, and they're all excellent, uh, men of music and their skills are evident throughout this album. Um, I do think it's interesting uh, that it's the only real punk album we have. There's no London Calling from The Clash. There's no uh, Nevermind the Bollocks uh, Sex Pistols here. Um, but I'm fine with that, I, I especially the Sex Pistols. I think there's one great song there and a lot of mediocre shit. Um, so if I'm going to actually look into this album with any greater degree of detail i guess i'll do it like this um i knew the songs that everybody knows um american idiot is really really cool um it starts off the album with a lot of energy and a lot of um you know combat boot curb stomping punk energy um although i do have i i do have one thing to say about it and that is this that uh I don't know about you, Billy Joe, but um, there is no redneck agenda. Um, I know quite a few rednecks, and not one of them has any sort of agenda. The only agenda any redneck ever has is to get up, eat three good meals, swig down a couple of beers, and uh, run around the block in his shitty little rat rod for a couple hours, go back home and go back to bed. Rednecks don't have an agenda. Um... When you get them all together, they elect Trump. Well, yeah, but let's not broad brush rednecks here. I have, I, I am a redneck in recovery here. I don't want to be uh, uh, condemned in that light. Um, in any case, there there is no redneck agenda because agenda applies or, uh, implies organization. Rednecks have no organization. Um, in any case, uh, that's a fine song, even though I... I I poke fun at it. Um, Jesus of Suburbia is good too. Um, long, but well executed long. Um, I think long songs that are kind of don't have a lot of complexity to them are not good. Um, but this one, this one manages its length. Well, there's a lot of different moving parts and it comes together as a nice rock and roll suite. Um, and then holiday is excellent. Also, um, I'm not sure. It, I think it's definitely one of, if not the best song on the album. Um, again, rhythm section is super locked in here. Excellent uh, punk rock power trio shit. Um, goes smoothly into Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Now, um, as soon as those chords start to hit and we get those lyrics that everybody knows the opening lyrics of this song, you know, and I hear these lyrics and I think, all right, I can just see the black eyeliner tear rolling down the side of the face and around the bottom of the chin, just clear as day, like an out of body experience. Um, and, uh, and looking at that, um, that might be my favorite song on the album, actually. Um, I do like the song a lot. Um, I, I went into this thinking, you know, I, it, you're clearly getting this now that I, 
enjoy kind of poking fun at at, um, at that um, middle image and the the emo subculture uh, of needless angst and um, excessive melodrama in some of the music, but. I, I did resolve to set that aside um, for my consumption of this album. I, I felt it was fair, and I'm like I said, I am impressed with the uh, amount of uh, slack cut by Leanne to the Elvis album. I didn't expect it, um, but I'm proud of you, dear. Uh, so in light of that, I think, yeah, I'm going to cut some slack here to the weepy emo stuff. And yeah, I really... If you can get past that, which I think I did, it's a very, very good album. Uh, very, very good song here on the album. Um, that being said, afterwards, I think it takes a nosedive. Um, I think Are We the Waiting and St. Jimmy, I did not like them. Um, say what you will. You are wrong. Yeah, you can say that. Get wrong. Say what you will. I thought they were not good. Um, I thought they were probably the two worst songs on the album. Um, now, uh, Jimmy Novocaine is good, um, comes back with a little bit more life. Yeah, it's depressing as hell, but it's Green Day. Again, get past it and you got a fine album. Um, and then She's a Rebel was my favorite, uh, that I didn't know. Um, I thought it was real, real solid. And it's really short, um, but it's a damn fine two minutes. I think there's, just as there is something to the extended epic in rock and roll, there is something impressive to the brief, uh, brief songs too. Um, if you make a hit in two minutes, good on you. Um, Extraordinary Girl is fine. Letter Bomb is fine. Um, Wake Me Up When September Ends is more emo bullshit, um, but that's not that bad. Um, it's not as strong as Boulevard of Broken Dreams is, but um, Again, nothing wrong with it. Um, homecoming, I, I think you're asking a lot to put two uh, nine-minute-long epic suites on one album. And I agree with Emma that this one does not execute it as well as Jesus of Suburbia did. Um, and uh, I also agree with Emma that What's-Her-Name is a weird way to end this album. Um... I know that uh, the other day we tore Evan Morris to pieces for the sacrilege of saying a day in the life was unnecessary on the end of Sgt. Pepper's. Um, that <laughs> is sacrilege because a day in the life is a masterpiece. Uh, but I'm going to basically say the same thing he said about this album and this song, which is that What's-Her-Name wasn't that good. I think it would have been fine thrown in the middle somewhere, but it does, especially if you're going to go to the trouble of two nine-minute-long epics on one album, I think Homecoming should have ended this album. I think What's-Her-Name doesn't belong on the end. I think it would be fine somewhere else, but it doesn't need to be there at the end. Um, yeah, that's more or less my, um, my feelings on the matter. Um, damn fine showing. Very talented musicians. Um, classic power trio. Um, very solid punk album and that's coming from a guy that doesn't like punk that much. Um, I would vote for this over Nevermind the Bollocks, the Sex Pistols album that I mentioned, easily. And it would put up a fight against London Calling, depending on my mood. Um, again, not a punk guy. I'm not going to rush to defend either of those albums or this one, really. But, yeah, it's in the conversation for sure. Um, very solid. So, I know it's a formality, um, but we're going to vote. Um, so, Emma, go for it. Yeah, um, the Elvis album was very good. I had no problems with it, but it is just a bunch of generic Elvis music, whereas this is Green Day in their absolute pop prime condition, doing the best work they have ever done, the best album they've ever produced. There is no way to vote against it, especially with the fact that it's probably Elvis's smallest album. There is no way to vote against American Idiot to me. So, American Idiot all the way. I will say you've not listened to enough Elvis if you think this is his smallest album. Um, he's got a lot okay, of... But it's, it's relatively small. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
Elvis has a lot of turds. Um, he gets so much respect because he kind of invented rock and roll as we know it, and I think he deserves that respect. But Elvis mm-hmm. has a lot of crap. Um, yeah, well, this is this is just, that was a very generic album, and this is American Idiots is certainly yeah. not generic Green Day. Right. You know, it blows my mind. Elvis and Michael Jackson are held up as two of the greatest solo artists of all time. A lot of people would say the two greatest. Um, both of them have four great albums tops. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, they got, both of them got a lot of turds. That's just my opinion. Um, Leanne, go ahead. Um, just before my vote, I have something kind of amusing. Um, in the music video for Boulevard of Broken Dreams, the opening line is, I walk a lonely road, the only road that I have ever known. And the little, the song is about being alone. But in the music video, you see Billy Joe Armstrong, my shirt, and Trey Cool walking down a desert road together. <laughs> and it's something that even Green Day fans poke fun at. Yeah, um, you know what that makes me think of, dear? Um, Monty Python, um, I'm all alone. Mm-hmm. No, I'm right here. I'm all, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course you are. But... I'm here, you ask. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, you put in my head. Um, Shut it. I'm not going to go into that. But um, I think my vote is pretty obvious, as it's been said prior. I am not an Elvis fan, and I am a huge Green Day fan. And it's very clear that Jake did not make these pairings on his own because he would have never put my least favorite singer and my favorite band on the same episode together because it gets ripped to pieces yeah, and the so bracket, the same American idiot the bracket was random and I pretty much shit myself when I saw these two matched up against each other um alright uh, I'm gonna start off by saying this um I think uh in light of his contributions to the genre of rock and roll he basically fucking invented it um I think it would be a goddamn dirty shame if we held a tournament to decide the greatest album of all time and Elvis Presley did not receive a single vote, that would be a goddamn shame and that would be unforgivable. But we're, we're going to have to deal with that because I can't vote for this album here. Um, I, I can't do it. We're going to have to deal with it because uh, American Idiot is far superior to this album. It it totally is. Um, it is not... Um, I think Emma put it well, you know. Um, you got the the greatest album from one band's catalog matching up against something that is solidly mediocre. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's good stuff on this Elvis album. Don't get me wrong. It, it did... Uh, I did like it more than I thought I was gonna. Um... But, yeah, it doesn't hold up to, uh, to American Idiot. Now, I don't know, uh, I ain't, I ain't the one for all the deep story concept album shit, um, but, uh, you don't have to, to appreciate this. That's the thing to me. I think some concept albums, if you're not attacking it like a concept album, you're not gonna get it. I think this album excels because you can listen to it either way. You can get real introspective and very deep with it and, and follow the stories or you can just headbang for an hour. Um, and I think that's, yeah. that, that's a very respectable thing to be able to do. So, um, yeah, very strong album and it pains me to not be able to vote for Elvis, but I can't do it. I just can't do it. Um, so there we have it. Uh, three Oh sweep for American idiot. Interesting. <laughs> What's that about? A good day. A good day. <laughs> what was that giggle about? St. Jimmy Rain Supreme! No, it's the worst song <laughs> on the album. The Jesus of Suburbia <laughs> can rain supreme. Oh, this yeah, you are so off base with that. I'm sorry, but that is that is just objectively not correct at all. As, first, as soon as it started, it just annoyed me. I didn't like it at all. Good thing I didn't make him listen to Dookie. Um, 
I don't know. I, yeah, I just I, I thought Saint Jimmy was the worst song on the album. Um, I'll stand by. Okay, me wrong. I'll stand by that. We'll 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 have the chance to fight about this album again as it moves on to the second round to take on yesterday's winner. That's Neil Young's Harvest. Um, that's gonna be a hoot, ain't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. So yeah. Um, if you're paying attention, this is now by far the longest episode of this show we've ever had. Um, oh God, it is. Absolutely. Um, but like I said, I knew I knew that would probably happen. Uh, there's a lot to be said about Green Day from the two of you for sure. Um, so uh, that ties that up. Um, and tomorrow uh, we have two returning artists. Of course, like I said. Um, it's a damn shame that there will be no votes for Elvis Presley anywhere on this bracket, but again, so it goes, right? Um, tomorrow we have two returning artists. Um, ACDC is back again with Highway to Hell, um, the most esteemed album from the uh, Bon Scott era, taking on Green River from CCR. Um, now, both of those bands have had their number one album uh, already on the show. Of course, Back in Black actually lost um, to Led Zeppelin IV, which was a really stacked match. So we'll see what happens there. ACDC and CCR tomorrow. Alphabet Soup on the Corona Cup. Um, thank you to Emma and Leanne. This was uh, went better than I thought. Um, nobody just yelled at me. Uh I mean, you did a little, but that's to be expected. Um, <laughs> what else are friends and girlfriends for? Um, so thank you all. Uh, thanks for listening, and rock on, my friends.